going to jump into the next section of our um, of our series, Book It, where we're looking at Scripture. And so I, I'm glad you guys, I kind of tricked you into having pen and paper, because I want you to write down this sentence. Chloe, like, just put her notebook away. I heard her go thud, and I'm like, write this down. Um, <clears throat> so here, I want you guys, uh, well, keep it up, because I'm going to say a couple of things before I get to the one thing I want you to write down. But tonight... Um, I want to ask you a question to start. Who's the Bible for? Us. us. Who is us? Humans. Humans. Creation. Creation. It's for the birds. Yeah. <laughs> Should I go out and be like, hey, Tweety, John 3.16? No. Um, no. Okay. Good answer. I, I was, I was, I kind of, I was hoping it didn't happen, but I kind of thought at least one person in here would be Christians. Now, it's not for Christians. The Bible is not for Christians. The Bible is for everyone, okay? It is for humanity, and I guess technically all of creation, sure. Um, so, tonight we're going to be talking about whether or not the Bible is clear. Can it be understood by any and all humans? Okay? And this sounds like kind of a complex question, but it really isn't. We think of the Bible as some sort of like mystical, impossible text to read and fully understand, but I would be willing to challenge anyone who says that about Scripture to prove to me that it is some sort of un, uh, non-understandable uh, text. So tonight we're going to look at whether or not the Bible can be understood by everyone, and yes, how, and, and if yes, how are we to read the Bible and how are we to understand it? Because let's be real. The reason there's this misconception about the Bible being impossible to read is because sometimes it is hard to read, right? Like that's no secret. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys a sentence to write down a statement. And then instead of having like points in a sermon type thing, we're going to break down the four sections of this statement because this statement is true and I'm going to prove each of these four parts. So I want you to write the sentence down and then we're going to talk about each part. And whenever I talk about the part, put a slash, okay, so you, so you can see how the parts work together. So here's the statement and I'll try to say it slow so everyone can write, but try to write fast because I talk fast. The Bible, the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Okay. As Charlie says, I stand up there, I stand down there, the B-I-B-L-E. Like, yeah. Okay, the Bible is an un... Oh, whoa, sorry. I can't even read my own writing. Unified, not unified, unified. The Bible is a unified story. That is clearly understandable to all. It'd be nice if we could stop right there, wouldn't it? The Bible is a unified story that is clearly understandable to all. There's two more parts to it. Who devote themselves to study it. Sorry. I'll start again. The Bible is a unified story. That is clearly understandable to all who devote themselves to study it. Themselves to study it. 
not independence like the 4th of July, but in dependence, two words, on the Holy Spirit. Who devote themselves to study it in dependence on the Holy Spirit. That does not make sense. Who yes, it does. Who devote themselves to study it in dependence. In dependence. Yes. Not independence like the 4th of July. In space dependence. Okay. So we say like everything So the Bible is a unified story that is clearly. Listen. Shh, we're going to all get through this together. It'll be okay. The Bible is a unified story that is clearly understandable to all who devote themselves to study it in dependence on the Holy Spirit. Or you could say with a dependence on the Holy Spirit if you want to not say independence. Yeah, that's just complicated. Okay, the Bible is a unified story that is clearly understandable to all who devote themselves to study it in dependence on the Holy Spirit. See, it sounds a lot better when I say it fast. It's just confusing if you say it slow. Okay. So you can tell by the fact that I'm having you write this statement down that the first two pieces show us that the Bible can be understood by anyone. And the last two pieces show us how it can be understood by anyone. So the first two pieces are the Bible is a unified story that is clearly understandable to all. Okay, That shows us that the Bible is understandable. And then who devote themselves to study it in dependence on the Holy Spirit shows us how we can understand it. Okay, So we're going to fly through this. Um, but I want you guys to stick with me, okay? Because we're going to talk about these four parts of this statement, okay? So the first part, the Bible is a unified story. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know these numbers until I looked them up. The Bible has over 40 authors, over 40 writers. It was written in three different languages originally, Okay. There were three different languages that the original biblical texts were written in across the span of over 1,500 years. Okay, That's a long time to write one unified story. Okay, So it makes sense that people don't feel like this is a unified story because of all these big numbers. Typically, when you have a unified story, it has how many authors? One. one. And it is written in how many languages? One. And it is written in how many years? One. No, okay. Like, who knows? But it's written in a much shorter time than 1,500 years, right? Okay. So these are a lot of numbers for one story. So it makes sense that people doubt whether the Bible is a unified story. But here is the important number. The Bible has one central theme. One central theme, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe me, let me prove it to you real quick. From the creation and fall of Adam and Eve, when God quotes in Genesis 3.15 to the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus isn't just talking about Uncle Billy, who's going out in the backyard and stopping on copperheads because they came up on his porch. Okay, that's not the offspring that God's talking about here. He's talking about Jesus and he's talking about Jesus defeating Satan or the serpent by what you shall bruise his heel. Right. Jesus suffered 
and he died. But in the process, Satan was crushed. He crushed his head. This isn't some like, that sounds like, oh, you're the snake and humans are going to crush you and you're going to bite them because you're a snake and everything. No, this is literally talking about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ in Genesis 3. God is laying a foundation in the book of Genesis for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you look through the Torah, which are the first five books of the Old Testament, and we look at all these things that, that God creates and all these ways that, that, that the Israelites have to sacrifice animals and everything, we see all these parallels that are drawn between the sacrifice of these animals for the atonement of their sins and the sacrifice of Jesus for the atonement of the sin of all of humanity. Guys, the central theme of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament to Revelation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can be written by 40 people, it can be written in three languages, and it can be written across a span of 1,500 years, but it has one theme, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we see who Jesus is and what he will do foreshadowed. In the Gospels, we see who Jesus is and we see what he will do play out. The rest of the New Testament to Revelation, we see the response of humanity to who Jesus is and what he has done. And in Revelation, we see who Jesus is, what he did, and what he will do. The story of Jesus and what he did for humanity is the underlying theme. It's a singular story. And really, you can even say it a little bit broader. You can say that the singular unified story of the Bible is how God redeems his people. He redeemed the Israelites from their fall. He redeemed the Israelites from Egypt. He redeemed the Israelites from the wilderness. He redeemed the Israelites from themselves. He redeemed the Israelites over and over again. And eventually he redeemed not only the Israelites, but all of humanity through Jesus Christ. The main character of the Bible is God. Okay? Like if we're looking at it like a story, the main character of the Bible is God. And he, the, the main theme is how God redeems his people. And I know for it's, hard, it's hard for some people to understand this, but the Bible is not about you. Okay, the Bible is not about you. It is about God. So often people read the Bible and they think, what does this say for me or what does this mean for me? When we look at the Bible, we should be saying and thinking, what does this say about God? About who he is and what does that mean for my life? The Bible tells us about God, and God tells us about what we are to do with our life. The Bible doesn't tell us what we're to do with our life. Don't make that mistake. We see the story of the Bible played out repeatedly from being connected and disconnected to God, to being connected and separated from God until God dwells among humanity, first in the flesh and then through the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in a little bit. <clears throat> but the story and theme and the purpose of the Bible is to show how God continues to redeem and connect with us, despite humanity choosing to separate itself from him. 
And I know that the Bible can be confusing and hard to read, but, but let, me try to, let me try to put it to you like this. How many, and this is going to like freak some people out in here, but how many of you guys ha- have read all of the Harry Potter books? Okay, a few of you in here. Did you know that all of the Harry Potter books put together is longer than the Bible? Okay, fun fact, in case you didn't know. Um, so what's the third book of Harry Potter? Okay, Prisoner, I couldn't have picked one easier. Which one's the one about the stone? Oh, I don't want the first one. Okay, what's the fourth one? Goblet of Fire, I can say that, okay. Um, okay, so Goblet of Fire. Imagine if you had never read Harry Potter and you picked that up and turned to page 172. Are there 172 pages in it? Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I was just guessing because it's long. Let's say you turn to page 172 and you read the second paragraph. Would you feel like that you understood all of Harry Potter? Yep, that would, that would clarify everything, would it not? Okay. <laughs> okay, let's, let's be real for a second. That would do nothing for you. You would be thoroughly confused if you read that paragraph. And I swear, if someone goes home and reads that paragraph tonight and it like summarizes the whole book, I'm going to be really mad because I just randomly pulled that out of nowhere. But like, let's imagine that we do that, okay? You're going to know nothing about the backstory. You're going to know nothing about who the characters are. You're going to know nothing about the, the story. You're going to know nothing. No context whatsoever to this paragraph in the middle of this entire series of books. And yet we sit here and we want to study a random book of the Bible. Let's just say Romans, for example, okay? Everyone loves to study Romans. Let's just say you open up to Romans, and we open up to Romans 12, which is honestly one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Um, But let's just say you open up to Romans 12, and you start to study it, and you go, well, this this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, This is kind of confusing. I don't understand why he's saying this. The Bible's impossible to read. Yep, the Bible is definitely impossible to read because I don't understand Romans 12. Guys, when we look at the idea of the Bible being a unified story, we have to understand that when you take time to read and understand the story from the beginning, understand who the people are, understand what the people mean, understand how God relates to them, you understand all the stuff that comes at the beginning and you actually care to follow the plots and the themes of the book, it makes a lot more sense. Like, and I know that sounds weird, but, but trust me on this. Like, it's so much easier to understand Scripture when you view it in, a, in the scheme of all of Scripture instead of trying to pick out some random passage. <clears throat> and think about, how, have any of you guys read all the books more than once? Okay, I figured you guys might have. Um, when you read it, when you read it a second or even a third time or whatever, do you, do you, the 10th time, um, do you, do you like find things that you're like, oh, I see why it said that in this book because I know what happens in the fourth book. Like, okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. So imagine if you've read the entire Bible or you understand the entire Bible and then you go back and read certain parts and you're like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense because I understand it in its context. Guys, we sit here and we like to pick on the Bible and say it's this impossible book to read. 
When what we're really doing is we're reading the Bible all out of context and all out of place and trying to just figure it out on the fly. And that is not the way that we need to study the Bible. And so when we sit here and we say the Bible is a unified story, we need to understand that that's how we need to view the Bible is as a unified story. So that's the first part. Our second part is that is clearly understandable to all. So that's where your next slash goes. <clears throat> so why do you think people wrote down what makes up our Bible? God told them to. That's why they wrote it down. Fear that God would hit them with a lightning bolt if they didn't start chiseling away on a stone. Like, okay. Why did, what? Oh, after, uh, that is clearly understandable to all. Why did people write down the Bible? If you don't know the answer to this, they, they believed in it. Yes, these things are true. God told them to, they believed in it. What? Okay, Yes. It's so that they could keep a record of what happened, right? So that thousands of years later, someone could pick up this writing and go, I know exactly what happened to the Israelites from 3,246 B.C. to 3,124 B.C. Like, they wrote it down so that people could understand their story. And, and the only way to do, to, the only way for someone who wasn't there to experience something well, now we have TV, but back then, the only way for someone who wasn't at an event to experience it was it being written down or it being told to them, right? And so they wrote it down so that people could understand what was happening. They wrote it with the mentality of humanity understanding what was written. So the fact that, that humanity now says, oh, it's, it's impossible to understand is dumb, because they wrote it with the intention of it being understandable. And, and to, to, to further prove my point, why do you think God used humans to write the Bible? To be more believable. So more, yeah, so guys, God used ordinary men to, to write the Bible so that ordinary men could understand the Bible. God could have very easily gone and the Bible just like fell out of the sky. Exactly how it is. Well, I, he could have done that. He could have done that. God has the power to do anything. God used ordinary people to write the Bible so that ordinary people could understand the Bible. So don't let anyone ever tell you that the Bible is not clear, that the Bible cannot be understood. And on the same note, God can and does speak to all of us, right? Right? He can and does speak to you. And again, we'll get to the Holy Spirit in a second. <clears throat> but this is all the same reason that God used humans to write the Bible is the same reason why God calls people to be pastors. To be someone who understands the word of God and helps other people understand the word of God by teaching them. I don't know if you're aware, but the role of a pastor is, is not to read the Bible and understand it for you. I feel like a lot of people do that. They come to church and they like the reason they are so like vote on a pastor and get the pastor they want is because the pastor is who studies the Bible for them. No, that's not how it works. But it, the role of a pastor is to help others read and understand the Bible for themselves. I would love it. I would love it if on Wednesday nights we just came in here. 
And all you guys had done was read the Bible all week and like, oh, I don't understand this. Write down this question. Oh, I don't understand this. Write down question. And we came in here for 30 minutes and you guys just asked me questions about what you read in your Bible all week long. Questions you arrived at from your own personal Bible study. But I fear what would happen if we did this is there would be almost no questions come up because there's almost no Bible study happening in the lives of many people in here. And if you're going to get mad at me for saying that and calling you guys out right here, I literally have survey numbers that you guys wrote down. And I don't know who, but I know that you guys wrote down that most of you guys do not read your Bible outside of church. So if we did that, we'd all just sit here awkwardly and there wouldn't be any questions asked. But trust me, What I would love more than anything is for each and every one of you to read your Bible every single day when you're not in here. Write down questions and I don't have to prepare a lesson every week to stand up here and teach. And I just answer your questions. I would love that more than anything. The role of a pastor is not to get up and teach. It's transformed into that because people have become dependent on pastors teaching. But the role of a pastor is to help you understand and interpret scripture for yourself. So if we look then, how do we do this? How do we understand scripture for ourselves? Because like if there's this pastor who's this special person who can help understand scripture, then are we supposed to do it ourselves? Are we able to do it ourselves? Like, how does that work? So let's look at the next part. Who devote themselves to study it. That's where you can put your next slash. Who devote themselves to study it. We have to be people who have their own personal time where, they, where we study the Bible. And, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but when I say study the Bible, I don't mean read the Bible. Those are two different things. Like if I told you to study for a test, it wouldn't just be like read the chapter. Yes, I have no doubt in my mind that some of you in here have a much higher reading comprehension level than I do and can read a chapter and then take a test over it and pass the test. I cannot do that. I have to read it multiple times because halfway through a paragraph, I'll realize I've been thinking about making cookies for the last five minutes and my eyes have kept reading the page and it's like, oh no, oh no. Like, but realistically, if I told you to study for a test that you had to, to pass so that you could graduate high school, would you just read the stuff once? If I said your your high school diploma rides on you getting an A on this test or you getting a 100 on this test, would you just read the stuff once? No. No, no you wouldn't. Yes. Oh, what's the time frame? Like, you read it and then how long before you take the test? <laughs> you get to read it 30 seconds before the test. Like, you get... No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just saying, like... Let's just be real for a second. Like you would read it. If your high school diploma wrote on getting a 100, you would not read the study guide one time. You would read the study guide until you could recite the study guide forwards, backwards, upside down, inside out. Like, let's just be real. And I get that not everyone in here, everyone, some people would just be like, yeah, whatever happens, happens. Like, okay. Like that's not the right mentality to have. I'm not condoning that. But I would hope that you would read it. You would write it. You would read it, you would commit it to memory, you would do whatever it took to make sure that you could pass this test. And, and I think it's so, it's, we're willing to do this with textbooks, and I know some people are like, no I'm not. Okay, just stick with me here, okay? We're willing to do this with our schoolwork, we're willing to do this with a driver's manual, 
so that we can pass a class or get a driver's license, but we won't study the word of God who created us, saved us, and has a plan to use us. Guys, you all know this. Studying does not just happen automatically. Like, as fun as it would be, I can't put a textbook on my pillow, like, go to sleep on it, and it, like, seep into my brain at night. I've tried it. It doesn't work, okay? Like, I just got ink on my face. That's all that happened. Um, No, but realistically, studying is not something that happens automatically. It's something you have to actively commit yourself to doing. And when you do this, pick a portion of Scripture to study. Ask questions about it. Examine the context. Figure out what the point of this passage is. And then maybe ask what the Holy Spirit was meaning whenever it gave the author these words to write. And, and let me, this is a big one right here. Do not ask, what, this, what does this passage mean to me? Okay? And that sounds like a really good question to ask of Scripture. But never ask, what does this passage mean to me? Because Scripture, what did I say? Is not about you. It's about God. And don't get me wrong, the Bible can be applied differently to each person's life. Like you can take the purpose of this scripture, like the true meaning, and it can mean something to you and it can mean something different to this person. But the Bible doesn't have different meanings. I can't read a passage and go, oh, this passage tells me that I should go out and sacrifice a lamb on Wednesdays. And then someone else go, oh, well, I read that I need to go to get a Greek restaurant and have a euro for lunch on Wednesdays. Like... The Bible means one thing. It doesn't mean two different things just because two different people read it differently. And we have to be people who discern what the one true meaning of the Bible is. The Bible doesn't mean something different today than when it was written. I'm going to use an analogy. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but I'm going to go on my mother-in-law for a second. I was, went to the store for her one time. And I took her grocery list to the store and I was getting everything. And on her grocery list, it said crunchy. Okay. I'm not going to, this is a pop quiz. If a grocery list said crunchy, what would you get? Chips. Chips. Chips, What? Peanut, Peanut, crunchy peanut butter. That's not a bad one. What? Taco shells. Crackers maybe. Okay. I didn't get crackers. I called them to find out. If anyone can guess what crunchy means, I will buy you $10 worth of crunchy, okay? Okay, listen to this. Haley's laughing because she knew what it meant and they're all crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, she wanted grapes. She wanted, but she wanted them to be plump and really crunchy grapes. Like they needed to be the right type of grapes. Okay. Okay. Realistically for a second, our goal is not to figure out like I could have come home with crunchy peanut butter and been like, I got everything on the list. But if I came home with crunchy peanut butter, what I've done, I haven't come home with everything on the list because that's not what she meant when she wrote it. Unless I come home with grapes, I haven't fulfilled the list. Our job is not to determine what the list means to us. Our job is not to de- my job was not to determine what the list meant to me. My job was to determine what the list meant from the person who wrote it. My job is not to decide what the Bible means to me. My job is to decide what the Bible meant is meant by the person who wrote it. 
And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time. Maybe, realistically, the Bible is a hard book to study. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here proving to you guys that it's not an impossible book to study. That's what we're talking about tonight, is it's understandable. But I'm not going to say it's not a hard book to study, okay? I'm never going to say that, because it is a hard book to study. But... If you're having trouble with it, man, there's tons of resources. I have a Bible that literally has a commentary across the bottom that talks all about Scripture. It was expensive, yes. But you know what else is expensive? ACT prep classes, ACT prep books, tests, uh, what is it, uh, SATs. Uh, like You can buy, go to classes, you can get books. You, okay, ultimately it comes down to this. The question of how much do you desire to know the Bible? If you have a desire to pass the ACT, you're going to spend money to go to a prep class and get a prep book and everything. Like, if you, that's what you desire, you're going to do whatever it takes to pass it. If you desire to know scripture, you're going to buy commentaries and books and things and whatever it takes for you to understand scripture. And if you guys ever are having a question about what you're reading in scripture, my goodness, I've just explained to you that that's what I'm here for. Please come ask me. And if you need a resource, I don't know if, if you guys have been to my office, which you guys are always welcome in my office. I was actually talking to the office staff the other day about how I, I don't have kids in my office ever anymore. What? I bite? I don't bite hard. Um, so, no... If you haven't been in my office, I have a ton of books in there. And if you have a question, I probably have a book that may have an answer to it. I probably haven't read it, but I have the book. Um, that's a step in the right direction, right? But it comes down to how much do you desire to know the Bible, that you seek out its true meaning. We have to remember that the best resource we have, but we must remember that the best resource we have for understanding Scripture is the last part of our statement, and it is, independence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the best resource we have to understand Scripture. We discussed and talked a lot about the Holy Spirit before today. And I'm not going to try to get into some big theological understanding on what the Holy Spirit actually is. But realistically, what we need to know tonight is the Holy Spirit is, one, a way that we communicate with God. Two, a way that we understand God. It is basically God's communication line to and from us. It's how we pray to God is through the Holy Spirit. It's how we understand scripture is through the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and helping us to understand. But we have to understand that everything we've talked about tonight, none of it is possible without the Holy Spirit. Guys, I don't know if you can read the Bible and I'll just tell you this right now. Humans, our hearts are hard, our hearts are slow, and honestly, our hearts are stupid. It's why I get so mad when I hear some Disney princess say, follow your heart. No, your heart is sinful, okay? Do not follow your heart, it is wrong. Follow God. Your heart is hard, your heart is slow, your heart is stupid. And if you want proof of this, there were 12 disciples who followed Jesus around for three and a half years. And when he died, they thought he was actually dead. And he had told them at least two or three times that he was rising again. They spent three years watching him perform miracles. And they denied that they ever knew him. They spent three and a half years following him. And when he said... When they were on a boat and a storm came, they all panicked. 
And he said, O ye of little faith. The disciples followed Jesus himself around for three and a half years and they still didn't understand who he was. So don't try to tell me that 2,000 years later our hearts are so evolved that we cannot follow Jesus around for three and a half years and we can magically follow our hearts straight to Jesus. No, we cannot do that. Our hearts are hard. Our hearts are slow. Our hearts are dumb. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. We can't understand the words of God without a dependence on the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon, he was a theologian, he said, If you cannot understand a book, do you know the best way to reach its meaning? Write the author and ask him what he meant. If you have a book to read and you have the author always accessible, you need not complain that you do not understand it. Okay? In English now, because I didn't even understand that the first time I read it. If you don't understand a book, the best thing you can do is ask the author. Because the author knows. And if you have a book and you have access to the author, you never need to complain that you can't understand the book. Guys, let me tell you right now, we have the book. And we have access to the author through the Holy Spirit. So humans should never complain that they, can under, that they cannot understand the Bible. We have a better way to understand the Bible than basically any other thing that has ever been written. So if you're here tonight thinking that scripture is too far over your head, you need to first stop telling yourself that lie. And then you need to recalibrate your heart to align itself with the Holy Spirit. And then you need to work to be someone who truly studies. And when I say study, I mean study the word of God. Because it is accessible to any and all who seek it. And it provides life-changing and life-giving truths. Guys, the Bible is not something that is not understandable to humanity. It's something that was written with an intention to be understandable to humanity. And is the most understandable thing that has ever been written. So don't fall prey to this lie that the Bible isn't clear. The Bible is clear. And now we've talked about that the Bible is divine. That the Bible is true. And the Bible is clear. We're three-fifths of the way there through this series. But I hope you guys are understanding the importance of this book that we're talking about. This unified story that points constantly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand what that gospel of Jesus Christ means for you in your personal life, my goodness, please come find someone to talk to about that. Because it is the sole truth of this book that was written with the intention to save your soul. Man, I hope you guys are enjoying this series. I really hope you are. And I hope it's giving you a newfound respect and understanding of Scripture. I can tell you for myself walking through it, my amount of time that I have spent reading God's Word has gone up exponentially because I am really starting to like desire to read. And it's amazing when you look at it through the filter of trying to see Jesus through everything, how you can find it so easily. And it almost makes it exciting to read. But I challenge you guys 
to make studying the word of God part of your everyday life. And maybe someday we can reach that point to where we come in here on a Wednesday night and we just ask questions and discuss scripture. Man, that'd be awesome. But until then, we're going to keep diving through this and talking about what scripture means for our lives. But I'm going to pray for us and then we can get out of here. I know we went long, but I thought it was going good. So I just kept going. God, thank you so much uh, for tonight. God, and we praise you for your word the scriptures that you have given us. God, we thank you for creating them in a way that we can understand. Ultimately, God, we praise you for giving us a way to understand it in the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would just, you would put a burden on our hearts for your word tonight, that you would help us to have a desire to study it, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to understand it and that we could see your truths come through it, God. I pray for each of these students that you would just radically change their lives with the radically transforming words that are in this book. God, we know that it is truly so much more than just a book. But I pray that you would just work a miraculous wonder in these students' lives. God, we, we praise you and we love you for who you are. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.